0: Welcome back to the Ellen MacArthur Foundation's Explore the Circular Economy podcast. My name is Seb, one of the hosts of this podcast. Today we're diving deep into some of the Foundation's work with four members of the Foundation's learning team. This conversation was originally recorded as part of one of our online events, just letting you know in case there's reference to questions coming in online or an online audience or anything like that. Our host for this session, Colin Webster, started with the organisation's executive lead for learning, Jules Hayward. And he began by asking her, why does the foundation engage with the topic of learning at all?
1: Um, I think one of the key pieces is about the combination of these different activities. The Ella MacArthur Foundation has a, a massive global mission to shift how the global economy functions. And in order to create that change in the industrial system, we need to work with all those different players and enable them to understand what this topic is, to apply it to their own context, and to ultimately create solutions, circular solutions at scale. And so um, if we were to just work in one sector, i.e. in in business, we wouldn't be putting in place the uh, policy enablers that business requires to, to, to create that shift. And likewise, how we think shapes the world around us. And therefore, if we weren't working in the learning space, we wouldn't be enabling people to think differently and ultimately create new ways of doing things that are fundamentally different from the current linear system that we work within. So I think it's really key that we have those three key elements um, working um, together to create that, that, that massive change at this scale and pace that's required uh, today, I also think that the learning uh, work that we do is providing a context for people to go on that journey of discovery, and whether that's um, at a light touch way where you're just exploring a, a report, um, you know, you're you're following a video link through the through the diff, for example, that might lead you into a much more fundamental learning experience where you would start to build up that knowledge to the extent that you can apply it um, to your own, your own context, whether that be in business or in, in a, in a uh, for, more formal learning environment in a school or, or university. And I think we're gonna touch on that whole continuum right across from schools through universities and in the business and professional context.
2: Uh, maybe a warning for people at home, we'll use the jargon informal formal learning. So formals like schools, universities, Informals, more the type of stuff people might self go up, go out to, to to learn for themselves. I guess what I'm saying.
1: Yeah, and I think those terms are used um, in different contexts all over the world. But certainly, with our work here, we, we tend to focus it schools and our, in, and higher education as those spaces where where learners are actively engaged in in a context of um, gaining new knowledge, developing their skills and ultimately preparing them for uh, for their lives, um, their onward careers and, and their, their role in society.
2: So nine years old, the, the foundation, uh, what on earth have been doing in these last nine years in this learning space?
1: Well it's, it's we Colin, right? I mean we've been doing doing a lot of this together over the last um, nine years. I think um, certainly from a learning point of view the highlights have been that we um, we started off very much in the schools realm, so we we developed um, a field officer program, uh, which was uh, providing resources for for, for um, school educators all over the UK, of which half of half of which were actively using our resources. After two and a half years, we worked with curriculum developers and um, and. Um, uh, exam providers uh, to to share to share those um, those teacher resources and and um, and really inspire uh, a generation to rethink uh, the future I think our learning from that was that the scale and pace of change that we were able to achieve in in that national curriculum work in the UK was just not significant enough so we then moved more into the work um, with the International Baccalaureate and other much more global um, learning providers in in that formal context. Universities have been very proactive in engaging in this space in terms of the applied research, um, in terms of the the courses that they provide, both formal and, and, and informal, so accredited courses, world's first MBA, um, PG certs, masters, um, many many minors and electives all over the world Um, and I think you know one of the programs that we ran we ran together for five years was the Smith MacArthur Fellowship where we had students from all over the world coming together with their academic mentors to join us for five days and those more transformational learning experiences where we're together physically and we're able to explore this tol- topic, develop the critical thinking around it, um, ignite that human ingenuity uh, that's required to um, to address some of the major um, barriers around the circular economy. I mean, that was a real highlight for me. And I think how do we create transformational learning at scale has al- always been at the forefront of, of our, our um, our uh, strategy.
2: And it's a combination, isn't it, of of how, you, how we reach people at scale through working with curriculum bodies and such like, to the sort of micro stuff working with a handful of people. And we've seen great successes in the the face-to-face stuff. I mean, just some of our staff actually have come through that process of working closely with us. Mm -hmm. And if anyone actually is watching at home thinking, how do you get involved in some of these uh, face-to-face projects? If you look at the learning pages on our website, you can see that we run workshops on a regular basis. And it's a chance for folks of all shapes and sizes to get involved in those programs. But, Jules, if you could boil down what we do in learning to three catchy uh, phrases or bullet points, what what would they be?
1: Um, Well, I think that learning for a circular economy requires um, three key things. From my perspective, I think that a recognition that this is about motivating people. And I think we motivate them both through providing the, the rational insight and analysis and coherent economic um, articulation of the opportunities as well as the emotional elements around the circular economy. What, are the, what is the human experience of going on this journey? And, and uh, what stories can we bring to life that really ignite many, many others to 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 engage with it and so i think motivation is a key element within any learning um, experience and so how do we motivate people i think is a, a key driver for our work i also think that the fact that the circular economy is addressing some of the world's biggest global issues obviously the climate change report we've just um, we've just shared really articulates the role of production and consumption. In addressing climate change, uh, with nearly 50% allocated to the to that system of production and consumption when it comes to, to mitigating uh, climate change. So I think um, you know, there's the climate change piece, there's the waste agenda, and how we can redesign systems so that they are much less wasteful. And I think also there's some um, there's some clear links from a societal point of view and social perspective as well when it looks when we look at job creation and and, um, and impacts more regionally uh, from a circular economy point of view. So all of those things create a sense of purpose. And I think again that's a key element that the circular economy provides is an individual's like human sense of I have a role in in a in a change agenda that I understand the direction of travel we're going on and, and how I can contribute to that. And I think the third element is about a systems approach. Mm. We talk about systems thinking a lot in our educational programs and throughout learning, we, we know that we have to enable people to think at the, the macro scale and to understand the big picture, um, but then also apply that in a more, um, focus point of view and getting into the detail and the application and ultimately to develop the agility to move between those two mindsets. And so uh, that systems point of view I think is critical and I think we'll we'll come out in the rest of this session as well.
2: Yeah, we'll come back to that in just a sec but I wanted to pick up on this idea about the fact that we work with universities and the the idea is out there in a way that it absolutely wasn't when we started this mission. and, and of course, that means that we're going to come under a lot of critical analysis of, of the subject matter. I just wonder if there's any stories to tell of um, the reaction that we've had from various quarters when, when we, we start talking about a circular economy?
1: Well, I think fundamentally the idea of moving from from uh, a take-make-waste uh, economy to one that is regenerative and restorative by design is pretty undisputable. I think the 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 kind of pushback really comes in like well how do we do that, and what does that look like in reality um, and there are massive barriers to achieving that that level of change and I think that's really where we are now in this in this agenda is that the the idea is becoming increasingly pervasive um, the three principles of the circular economy are becoming more understood um, and I think now we're getting into the space of really creating the, uh, the networks and the communities of practice that can get into the, okay, so how do we make this, this happen, um, both physically in terms of the products and, and system services and infrastructure that we build, but also in terms of how we interact um, in, in, in supply chain management, in organizations and how they, how they function. Um, as, as human beings, how do we approach our, 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 our individual dynamics so that we can break out of the existing um, systems? And I think that critically, um, that systems approach is what is, what, um, is required with that, w- within that. And systems thinking is, is, a, is a difficult topic to understand because it brings in understanding of complexity, complexity science, um, and so that's, again, an, another potential barrier from an educator and learning provider point of view is, is how do you actually tackle the, um, the complexity of the topic and make it tangible and relevant? Uh, and I think um, one of our speakers who's coming on um, uh, in, the, in the session later, Monica, will talk about this because that tension in a business context is... Is really okay, very, very so live. We had
0: some of the learning theory from Jules there, and I think you agree, will agree that she made a good case for why it's important. When I think of learning, I think of education in our schools and universities. And Colin's next two guests, Harry with schools and Reneira with at universities, lead the foundation's work in these two respective areas.
2: Jules had uh, started up there by t- talking about scale and the work that we do in, uh, in, in learning. So I want to speak to you about this, the scale ambitions that we have. So we've got ambitions to engage with like 150 million people worldwide, so they're actively learning about the circular economy. Harry, you work with schools. What role do you think schools plays in all of that?
3: Well, I mean, I, I think it's absolutely vital that we are working with school-age students um, because these will, you know, they will be the future leaders of tomorrow in various um, roles, um, and so it's it's vital that we we reach them and we sow the seeds of the idea in the future generations. Um, and I think I would I would echo Jules and uh, say that you know the the mindset shift that's required for a circular economy. Uh, that needs to be, we need to start implementing that kind of shift whilst minds are forming, whilst these young people are developing their, their outlooks and perspectives on, on life and um, you know, the world in general.
2: It's like the, the front of pipe versus end of pipe uh, approach, isn't it? Exactly, exactly. So uh, the, the mindset is set that it's circular is the way that things should be done, things should be made, and it becomes natural to them to to be thinking in that way as they become decision makers.
3: Exactly, so that hopefully by the time they go on to higher education and universities, you know, it's, it's about cementing the idea rather than them being exposed to it for the first
2: time. Um, because by, by then, you know, it's, it's quite late. Alright, so we're going to come back to the, some of the detail of what you do and how we go about doing it. Uh, but Ranira, the same question to you, with scale being our ambition, what role does universities play?
4: Well, just picking up from Harry's point, actually, you know, universities are the place where hopefully we're we're kind of scooping up that future generation and we are really cementing some of these new and innovative ideas in terms of shaping their thinking and the future leaders and the future workforce of tomorrow. You know, universities play a really crucial role uh, in the in the teaching side of things, and I think Jules mentioned it earlier, that they are really shaping young minds and getting those fundamental core principles of circular economy um, embedded in the way that the future workforce thinks. But it's not just about teaching with universities. I think over the last nine years, the, uh, the foundation has worked predominantly with the teaching and research side of universities. So we're teaching the future leaders of tomorrow, but at the same time, universities are doing a load of research which is helping apply the circular economy. So there's lots of examples. Of where universities are supporting businesses in making changes in how they now apply the theory of circular economy to their own businesses. And I think it would be easy to go, well, it's all about teaching and it's all about research, but actually, universities in themselves are, are engines, they are entities that have a life of their own and I think increasingly we are seeing that as a hugely important part of the transition to the circular economy. So not only what they teach and what they research but actually what impact is that having with the students who are going through those programs. So what are students doing to start to drive the agenda? How are they pushing back at their university or, um, management to say what are you doing to make our university more circular? How are they starting up businesses and how are universities supporting that. So really interested uh, in seeing that role that universities play in in supporting the the students coming out with this new knowledge and how they apply it. And beyond that if we start to think about universities almost like mini cities or or a business in their own right and how they organize themselves. If you take If you think globally, the number of universities or higher education institutions that we have, and you think about how they run their own campuses, they are fantastic test beds in their own right and how they can design the way they manage their procurement, their supply chains, the food that comes onto campus. And they could actually be walking the talk. So these students are learning about circular economy, but actually how the university then organizes and structures its own business side of things is equally as important. And I think the last area that you know, we're sort of seeing more and more is how universities are really engaging locally, whether it's with business, whether it's with their local government or their regional government. And you know, there are a number of different advisory boards at a global scale. And I'm pretty sure if you looked at most of them, you would see some really qualified academics engaging at a global level in this agenda. So I think, whereas it's easy to think of universities as being hugely important in terms of teaching and research. Actually, they are a massive sector on their own, uh, globally, that has the ability to impact huge amounts um, all over the world.
2: And, and they seem to be very... Mot- I mean, we were at a conference recently for universities, and yeah. they seem to be very motivated in the idea of doing, doing better, environmentally speaking, on their campus. But there's that problem, isn't it? They're so big that they don't often, you don't often have the, the researchers speaking to the campus staff. But that's, that's your problem to deal with. <laughs> It, You'll work it out.
4: We will work it out. And I think what, what was lovely at that conference, actually, uh, which was in America, was seeing how um, campus sustainability and what the universities are doing at a campus level is starting to be picked up and the relationship is starting to filter through to the teaching. I think students are increasingly, um, and I know we've had this conversation, haven't yeah. we, where you know, students are learning something to then come out of that environment and not see it embedded in their actual environment in which they learn is quite a challenge. You were saying the same with schools. Well,
3: definitely. I was, I was at an event recently where the teachers were saying, basically, it undermines everything that we yeah. teach them in the classroom if they then go out into their learning environment and they see single-use plastic everywhere. Well, or you, know, you know, it's very, very wasteful linear examples all over the campus environment. Yeah. I think, and it's true for schools as with universities, they're looking at ways that they can adopt those practices in the actual the environment as well as the teaching
2: and learning. Harry, um, let's, let's talk a little about, a bit about what it is you literally do with schools and how you support them. You tell us uh, yeah. and what you do there.
3: OK. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I'd like to start really by um, giving an example of, of a project we ran uh, this summer just gone in Oxford. Uh, we ran a summer school uh, for one week and we invited 10 students from all over the world Uh, to come to Oxford, and we had an immersive uh, circular economy learning experience. And the way it was structured, it's the first time we've done this at this age group, they were all between 15 and 18. Um, And the way it was structured was that each day was devoted to a different topic of the circular economy. So we started with a big picture introduction, and then we looked at what does the circular economy mean for fashion? What does it mean for food? We had a whole day on looking at the built environment and transportation. And then the idea was that at the end of the week, we'd bring all of these different strands, all of these different learnings together and say to students, right, working in groups, your challenge is to design and build your own, your city of the future. So what what do you think a city would look like in 2050 that was built on the principles of a circular economy? And so that was a great kind of systems thinking exercise as well, because using the city as the context, everything has to, is interconnected all those elements have to tie in and work together. Um, so it was, it was really cool, um, really hands-on and creative, but we were kind of responding to feedback that the circular, learning about circular economy can often seem quite theoretical, or quite abstract. So we wanted to take students out and get them um, meeting people that are working in this space and seeing real-world examples. So we took them to London for the day, we took them to a uh, fashion designer Chris Rayburn who's creating high-end fashion from surplus military stock um, kids loved that uh, and we took them to the London Waste and Recycling Board to hear about all of the initiatives
2: throughout London that they're involved in. And that was a good way for us to test test the idea of these type of workshops but we also do the sort of larger scale stuff working with curriculum bodies as well, can you give us a bit of detail
3: exactly. there? Exactly, so I mean these, this was only 10 students so um, from a scale perspective we need to be able, to, we're trying to reach a lot more um, so those face-to-face Things are, are brilliant and we can learn a lot and take a lot of insights from that. What, what do they respond to? What's the, what messaging works? What are they really interested in, these future generations? Um, but we also do a lot of work uh, around curriculum development. So it's, there's sort of a bottom-up approach and then a top-down approach. Um, and we work with uh, the likes of the International Baccalaureate and United World Colleges. Um, and we're, we're specifically focused on the subjects that have an overlap with the circular economy, like design technology, business, economics, geography. Um, and so we're making some progress there to try and integrate circular economy into the curriculum. And we understand as well that teachers are, have a very hectic, busy schedule. You know that. I know that. We used to be what, teachers. Um, and if, if something isn't actually on the syllabus, it can be very difficult to carve out time it just becomes a sort of extra add-on that only a few, you know, a small small percentage of people will actually look at.
2: And, the, yeah, the curriculums tend to have, like, a turning circle of an oil tanker, so it can be a slow and a painful process sometimes to, it to is, get in there.
3: It is slow, and it, it can be painful, um, but all the more reason to get in there because, it, because, you know, if you
2: miss the window and one opportunity, then it could be years before you get another chance. And it's about finding the right person, isn't it, in an organisation who, who sees the the potential the possibilities and then I know our work with IB is really sparked because of that
3: yeah and and they've been fantastic in that they really understand the concept we you know we've invested a lot of time in in kind of I guess sh- communicating the idea and what what's important about it and how it can fit and and they get it and uh, they see the value in it and the their their educators see the value in it so. There, you have teachers in the IB who are crying out for this, who are actually saying to the head office, you know, I think this should be in the curriculum. We, we want to see more of this. Perfect. Can we carve out more time? So it's not just a kind of centralized, top-down thing. We're hearing students and teachers saying, we want this.
2: Perfect, Harry. And we know, literally, what, what are we doing with the universities?
4: Well. It's quite similar actually. We've done a number of sort of smaller intensive exercises with universities over the last couple of years. But the challenge for the organization now is how do we take that and how do we learn from that and how do we scale? You know, We've got some really challenging targets around the number of people that we want to engage with, uh, who who understand and engage with the circular economy. And those in higher education play a really large role in that. So over the last couple of years, we've done a number of things. We have developed a really good suite of higher education resources, which are available online and available to download. we have established what we are calling the from linear to circular um, program which uh, we trialed last year and we will be rolling out more of over the next coming years which is a really a bit like Harry's uh, workshop over the summer it brings together a smaller group of students and young professionals in, a, in an intense environment but allows that that greater sense of interaction and play so've we've, we've been doing those sorts of things I think if you you know if you look on our website we did a, a really good report last year which looked at a kind of global snapshot of where we were with higher education, and there were one hundred and thirty eight universities out there that had courses with circular economy in the title. And you know that's only the start of the story because we know that so many are teaching courses about circular economy, but they may not necessarily have it explicitly in in the title. And I suppose moving forward, uh, what we're aiming to do is really scale the network that we've started to build. So we have a we have a, a small network of universities at the moment who are all doing interesting and exciting things in various aspects of the circular economy, and um, our team is really keen to expand that. We know that we don't know who's doing everything out there and we also know that the network can be really, really powerful. I'll give you a a great example, over the last couple of weeks I spoke to a university in Australia, one in Portugal and one in the UK, who are all thinking through the built environment and how you build a new campus and and put circular economy right at the heart of everything about that and I suddenly went, well, why don't you guys talk to each other?
2: Just a final point, Harry, you want to tell us something about resources, or you can both tell us a little bit about resources that we've got, people watching this can get access to.
4: Uh,
3: Yeah, uh, so this is just a really simple um, sort of card game, really, a card activity that uh, we've developed. Um, And it works for, I've used it with primary age students and with 16, 17-year-olds. But quite, you know, very simple. We've got uh, a set of cards. Um, We've got, for example, lorries, landfill, uh, power stations, uh, trains, etc um, etc, et but the idea is that in groups you can um, hand these out and you can ask students to tell the life cycle of a plastic bottle um, and you can give them a little nudge if they don 't know that plastic comes from oil so you 've got the oil rig and then you 've got the shipping, and so they have to tell this this story and They um, eventually, they go from the oil rig all the way through to um, transportation, to the consumer, to landfill. And you ask them to kind of make some observations. What you notice about this system? Okay, Um, well, and you can ask where is waste generated in this system? And they come to the conclusion that everywhere waste is generated. Um, And then you can contrast this with um, handing out some different cards that we have which are biological cards that contain like, the sun, bacteria, plants, trees, and ask them to arrange those in a way that makes sense. And the difference is what this highlights is that the man-made kind of plastic bottle system is a one-way, it's a linear system, highly wasteful, um, not very efficient. When you contrast this with the, um, the biological system that they've mapped out, you can see that it operates in a completely different way. You ask them, where's waste generated? There isn't any. Waste becomes food for something else all the time. And so you can use this as a springboard then to start discussing, okay, well, what if we had an economy that worked more like this biological system?
2: And then you can, you can, ex- you can explore off of that. Um, it can be a really powerful, I mean, I've, I've run it a few times myself, a very powerful activity. And one of many resources that we have, downloadable from our website for schools. Also, you mentioned universities, Got a bunch of resources that are there for anyone watching this who wants to uh, pick them up and use them in whatever their setting happens to be
0: so at one time arguably schools universities and more formal forms of learning would have been the full picture but this is 2019 and we know in the world of digital technologies there's a whole sector of informal learning offerings cropping up from MOOCs to online courses and especially in the realm of professional learning Monica, who's Colin's next person on the sofa, heads up much of that work in the foundation. And Colin started by asking her, what's the major difference between the sphere of her work versus the institutional forms of learning that we were talking about with Harry and Raniere? Yeah
5: um, Yeah, I mean, firstly, maybe to say that um, learning needs to be very specific um, to, to people's job roles and relevant to their company or industry they come from. Um, but also it's really important to understand that it's not uh, an add-on, like an isolated activity that happens in the sustainability team, but really when we look into um, transitioning to a circular economy or creating a circular business, it it is a a whole system change, a whole organization-wide endeavor, and and thus the learning activities need to be also planned that way. Uh, But more specifically, what the differences are, um, uh, yeah, professionals are under a lot of pressure to deliver results. And, and that means that um, they, when they go um, on, a, on a course or you know, do an online uh, training, they, they want to be able to see how they can implement these ideas or their learnings into something that's concrete at their workplace, in, in their world of marketing or supply chain or whatever their world is. And, and usually the, the, the top three questions that we would be asked is, um, yeah, what is the circular economy, what does it mean to the world, but what does it mean for my company, why is my company interested in pursuing that, and and what does it mean to me in my role, in my team business function. Um, so yeah, so there's a level of specificity that I suppose is asked for. Um, and, and going back to the notion of, of learning has to be practical. Um, in, in the work that we, we're doing with businesses, we see that we're reaching a, a certain saturation level, which is quite great. I mean, there's a, there's a good, um, a lot of the businesses we work with have a basic level of understanding around the circular economy, and now they're really keen to scale the practical aspects of, okay, how do we uh, apply these circular economy principles into our, into our business practices? How do we move towards that transition? So these are the sort of questions that are coming more towards us. Um, um,
2: you've got answers for all of these questions?
5: Well, no, not necessarily, that's the thing, uh, that in the end of the day, the foundation, what we're aiming to do is provide guidance and uh, provide scalable resources, easy to use, and, and also um, you know, modular to fit, where, fit into the different contexts they, they use them for. But it is not about giving prescriptive directions like the, you know, the 10-step guide to transform your supply chain in that industry. Um, but we also collaborate, we, we, we work with uh, different professionals to, to guide them in, in their solution finding process so to speak.
2: Well that's the problem, isn't it? I mean the 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 concept of the circular economy is simple at it's basic level, but it's when you start getting into the what does this mean for me and for my business or even my role within my business, mm. really no one has the answers to all of these questions
5: yeah yeah and i think that it leads back to what uh jules said earlier around the the motivation and purpose and you know, seeing, in, in terms of purpose, seeing where the organization is heading and why it makes sense strategically, um, and, you know, there are a number of businesses who clearly communicate that, and, and whether on CEO level or senior leadership level, it's, it's uh, positioned that way. This is something that we are doing as a company, and there are concrete targets. Um, some even go as far as to have it in the, the performance uh, reviews uh, as, as indicators. Um, but yeah, so there's a, there's a cl- sense of clarity how that fits with what the company is doing. But it's also the personal motivation to wanting to go to our learning hub or go to, um, and onto these courses and, and actually then take that step to translating these ideas and concepts back into their specific context, um, which is the big step. And so you need a, a level of motivation and drive to do that.
2: And uh, literally, what is it that we're doing with people? You say they're coming to us; they're asking us questions. But mm. how, how do you support businesses, or we've got programs that they can access?
5: Yeah. So, so we do. So, both online as well as face to face. But with the scale of uh, ambition that we're having, uh, you know, most of our learning activities are um, in the virtual realm. So, uh, we have, uh, for example, regular webinars, monthly webinars. Um, um, we have uh, the online learning e-learning course uh, that you can find on our website um, there are also uh, and, and we have downloadable resources so for example on the Circular Economy 100 website in on the learning resource section you'll find some such as the um, Action Learning Set Toolkit which we launched this year but on top of that we also um, uh, have partnered in the past with with universities who have their own professional learning offerings um, so, such as um, um, a, a MOOC, which has a couple of different courses on an introduction, introduction level, but also on um, packaging and the circular economy of packaging, um, and, um, and uh, um, a six-week masterclass, which is uh, mm-hmm. really... Very much appreciated by our business network um, because it gives a, a certain level of depth and understanding lots of business cases um, every week there's a webinar with speakers coming in that are uh, practitioners coming directly from the world that relates to them with all their questions and challenges that they're facing
2: and such is the way we work it also offers lots of connections between different businesses, which of course we we know from stories in our network Yeah, That's, that can be really yeah successful. I mean some
5: of the yes so um yeah, I mean, at that course they work with each other, but also we have, uh, in, in terms of the face-to-face element, we um, we run, um, for example, sessions at the uh, um, acceleration workshops of the Circular Economy 100 network, um, where we, for example, ran in the past um, skill-building toolbox sessions, um, half a day long, where um, you get to, yeah, just build certain competencies that would help you to bring these ideas uh, into, into your context and... and pursue that transitioning process. But at the same time, we also um, run um, quick-off workshops with global partners to see what their longer-term ambitions are, and and learning is a key component of that. So we're really embedding that into the the activities that they're running, the different channels they're using. And that relates to communication and the campaigns they have internally, it relates to um, more than just a, a course, for example.
2: Right, question has come in from Nicola. I'm going to put to you, how can we influence our organization to adopt circular economy into its business models? I'm mm. guessing there's some resistance there from the business or Nicholas uncertain where to start. So what, what advice do you give to a business that wants, or someone within a business that mm. wants to do something?
5: Yeah, well, it's, it's always good to start with where the opportunities lie. And, uh, and this is where um, you know, professionals do like to see uh, the proof points to how this is generating business benefits um, and um, so I would I would inquire into what is the company already doing and, and some are a bit more outspoken about it and have something externally on their website, uh, publicly readable but you know, some might not, um, so you, you might want to inquire into that, like what's already happening uh, and, and if you are interested and, and uh, find out more about, it. for example, we have um on the website, uh, on the Anne McArthur Foundation's website, the Learning Hub, which uh, has a, um, a number of many online learning courses on di- different topics, um, such as fashion or on, um, you know, an advanced level introduction to circular economy, but also how do I pitch it to my organization, or, um, yeah, you know, how do I start making introductions internally or running my own Event to help people understand it, so so there are a number of tips to to that would help you to yeah see how you can make a move and can start engaging with your colleagues and and start creating these visible um, benefits that they can see
2: so imagine they've made that first move they want to start how do they go about running internal learning programs? What advice and support can we offer
5: mm. yeah well, um, there are a couple of things uh, the the creating an awareness and understanding is an absolute no-brainer as a starting point to really you know, be on the same ground and I think there's still a lot of confusion around uh, uh, these concepts and sometimes it's being used synonymously for sustainability, which is clearly not the case. So there's something around um, helping uh, your colleagues uh, understand um, what it is, having a strong narrative from the company itself, um, why they engage around circular economy, um, but also uh, the motivational aspect that was mentioned earlier to really inspire and engage the uh, employees um, So that it's not just something they're being mandated to do But they're really bought in and are actually proud of being part of that movement that they um, So it's a company-wide movement um, the other um, aspect is to Yeah, to uh, create a community internally as well. So there are uh, with, with a couple of companies we partner with there is this is you know those um, employees who have come back from these courses and are keen to engage and are keen to explore further opportunities within the business to um, have the opportunity to do that whether uh, you know there's a Google Plus community or whether there's an, a face-to-face where they meet up regularly um, to really help them connect with each other but possibly also um, do that industry-wide, kick off something where you can collaborate with others um, and that's really for, for, for knowledge, experience exchange, but also to support each other on the various challenges that they're facing.
2: Perfect. So I'm hearing you say you find the opportunity for your business, uh, therefore you're setting the context, then you find people who can come with you on that journey, understand it, and then begin to apply it.
5: Yeah. And then, I mean, as, as mentioned in, in the video as well, then, of course, you know, companies offer uh, their own internal online courses. They have knowledge management systems where they can um, access content, um, but... Yeah, so there, there's, most companies go for a, a virtual approach because they know this is how they can scale, especially in a company of 100,000-plus uh, employees. Um, but it's, I think it's also important to, to be strategic about uh, where you can embed uh, content or um, aspects into existing um, face-to-face training activities. And, uh, yeah, and in all of that, try to embed it to what's already there uh, rather than create that kind of standalone piece somewhere. Uh, that people
0: can't relate to. Wow, so that was a whistle-stop tour of the Foundation's learning activities. I really like the way that Colin and Jules framed the conversation by starting with why this is such an important topic. After all, how we think does shape the world around us and our ways of thinking come from our learning. That's why learning plays such a critical role in the Foundation's work alongside building relationships with key businesses and organisations and the development of the idea of the circular economy. We hope to see you again next time on our podcast. As always, it really does mean the world to us if you like, subscribe, rate and do all those nice things for this podcast on whichever of the audio channels you are listening on. Thanks for listening.